are of no account and keen eyes for all your truth. Amen. Amen. Do you uh, remember when you were a little kid, or remember when maybe you were raising kids, that there might have been a door frame in your house somewhere where there were little markings on how tall the kids were getting? And uh, this was fun to do, probably uh, a measurement in inches, unless you were just a super scientist and had, had to be centimeters. But there'd be dates and names by these little lines. It's kind of fun to keep track like that. This picture makes me wonder if uh, Yao Ming's mom, by the time he was eight, had to use a step stool to get up there. Well, young Yao, you're now six feet tall. Did you ever have a financial manager who worked with you to determine the savings and investments that you'd need to achieve uh, financial security in your retirement? We have units of measure in all kinds for all kinds of things. It's part of our life in the physical world. Some measuring is precise and cleanly standardized, like the ones I've mentioned. When you're cooking, you have to be fairly precise, although there are gourmet cooks that measure things out of their hands and Take pinches of this and that. Maybe you're one of those. When you're trying to get a spacecraft back to Earth in the atmosphere, at the right angle, you have to be exceedingly accurate. I remember when the Apollo 13 mission, well, at least the cinematic version of it, came round and there was a ground team that had out their paper and their pencils and their slide rules and they were checking the astronaut commander, Jim Lovell's uh, uh, accuracy, his calculations for their reentry. And they made it. They didn't bounce back off unrecoverable, and they did not burn up going in. Very precise. Other important things are harder to measure. Learning is hard to measure. You remember your school days when teachers designed exams that tried to measure your comprehension of the learning that he or she was trying to deliver. Schools, educators determined what things are important for you to know, and they designed tools to measure how that's coming along. We wonder as students sometimes, why in the world do I have to know this stuff anyway? I saw a question on an internet platform this week. Name a book that brought you to tears. And one answer was Algebra 2. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> we want to know in this life, how is it coming along? And the it in how is it coming along could be many different things. Where are we? Who are we? Well, we're gathered here. We're, we're watching this worship. We're participating in this worship. Who we are is 
the body of Christ. We're either physically or technologically gathered for worship, so you know where I'm going with this. One of the things that's difficult to measure is our spiritual health, our spiritual life and maturity. If you ask yourself, how are you doing spiritually? What would you say? And on what would you base your answer? In school, there's a syllabus and there's a time limit. There are deadlines for papers. If your teacher said, you have four papers in this term and your grade is determined by your scores on them, you would get that and you would conform to it. But if the teacher added cryptically, I'll call the final calculation at any moment during the term, after the first or the second or the third or the fourth paper. That would throw a wrench in it for sure. You would be anxious and not knowing when the grade was going to be called, you would be stressed out and working every hour that you could to make sure every paper was an A. I had this horrible experience in seminary with the uh, ethics professor who had four papers and uh, thank goodness he waited to the end to mark my score because I bombed the first three papers. It was terrible. Uh, uh, Plato's Republic, uh, Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics, Immanuel Kant's Groundwork for Metaphysics of Morals, for the Metaphysic of Morals. And I went into him after the third problem, and I said, do I, should I, I was a Whataburger manager in college, should I just go back, should I just go back? And he said, well, yeah, they weren't zeros on the first three papers, so just get an A-plus on the fourth one. And I don't know if I did or not, I think he might have graded on some kind of Kierkegaardian curve, because the Kierkegaard paper, which was on a sickness unto death, which was exactly how I felt at that point in ethics, uh, was the last one. And for some reason, I, the, you know, the most obtuse of the things we, we looked at, I turned in a, a passing paper, and he passed me. He probably was not, maybe he was in the Kierkegaardian mode, you see, we learned in that book that, uh, that sometimes uh, God pulls us into a teleological suspension of the absolute. So my absolutely poor grade got uh, sort of co-opted into the grace of God. And things in the present, in the human realm, are overlaid with the eternal. I don't know what happened there, but, I, but I'm not a Whataburger. So, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. So ask yourself, you know, how is it coming? Your spiritual life. Some of this assessment is completely subject, subjective. Maybe all of it is. What is your feeling about your relationship with God? Is your being and are your behaviors and your attitudes consonant, congruent with your sense of God's ways? 
Do you have a degree of purity of heart in the way that you would grade that? And when is the end of the term? That's a complication. And how is our grade delivered to us? And what will become of us relative to our grade? One of the virtues that, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. But um, when we get to this time of the year, church-wise, we're kind of ramping up to a new year, Advent. And the scriptures start to turn toward questions about the second coming and the final judgment. And these are things that pull a future orientation into the present by wondering, am I ready? Because none of us knows when our life will end and none of us knows when cosmologically God will determine the end of things and the consummation of the kingdom of heaven. Now, even if you only treat this topic of the end of things as a symbol, it is still useful in pulling a sense of urgency into the present for you. It still makes you uh, ask more urgently, more clearly, how are things going for me? Am I moving or am I stuck? Am I just staying the same? Or am I really being formed into a creature of God that is taking on the likeness of Christ. Which, if you look at it, after you leave here, in the collect is exactly what we're praying for. A purification such that our likeness to Christ is increased over time by our efforts and, of course, by the grace of God. That's what's at stake here. That's what spiritual progress is really about. And we can look very subjectively at any, anything at all in our lives and decide if we are progressing. What are the virtues that, that you identify that are key and important? And how are you doing with those? You know, this time of year nationally, what we're thinking about is our veterans. And we're thinking about the virtue of courage. We're thinking about the virtue of selflessness. So that somebody else's good is defended by effort and by our lives. By how we spend ourselves. Now two of my favorite veterans in my life were my father and my father-in-law. They've both uh, passed on now, but, you know, my dad was a private in the Army, and he went into the European, the, the Atlantic Theater, and served there. And my father-in-law was a Marine, and he served in the Pacific Theater in the same war, but then also career Marine in Korea and in Vietnam before he became a minister. Two careers. 
He used to say, I'm just an institutional guy. But he spent himself in that way, and he made his way into the progress of life in Christ in that way. My dad used to spur me along, and God, did I need it, in my studies, because uh, almost nightly he would say, have you completed your studies? And tell me about them. And then my father-in-law would always coach people about having a goal in front of them, ahead of them, which would affect their effort in the present. These were valuable lessons. So I'm glad for the themes of, of, of Advent and our ramping up toward Advent, the second coming business that I don't like to look at, this, this uh, judgment day stuff that I don't like to look at, but I'm grateful for them because they provide some motivational urgency about how I'm doing in the present. Even if I'm just looking at the second coming symbolically, which I don't do because in the creed I say something about I believe in Jesus Christ who is coming again to judge the living and the dead. So I treat it as symbol and as some future reality. But at any rate, I treat it seriously and it makes sense to me and it affects my spirituality. And I think it should all of ours. Just makes me nervous enough to get busy. On uh, the 5th of November, what was I doing? I was watching a lot of TV. Then, uh, some, I, don't, I don't know what it was. I think it was something political. But on the 6th of November, still the same stuff going on. But what, I grabbed my phone and I thumbed out a donation for November to my church. Because however else I figure out how to make progress in the, in the faith, one of the ways I do it is by understanding that I'm part of a local reality that is part of a universal reality. It's the body of Christ. And through the community of faith, I receive pastoral direction. I receive the sacraments of the church. I receive learning concerning the Word of God, and I am coached on ways to pray. And because of these things, I value and I want to put myself, my heart, into those exercises and those mysteries. That's what I want to do. And where my money is, apparently, there is my heart also. Where my treasure is, there is my heart. So, you know, whenever I do that, I know maybe it's impersonal to just, just send, you know, digitally send 
an offering in, but to me it's absolutely real. And it, it's not about money so much as it is about where are you? How are you progressing? To whom do you belong? How's your relationship with God going? Those are the kinds of things at stake for me to have habits of giving, praying, sacrament, and study. I know everybody's an expert, and my expertise is complacency, unfortunately. So I can get stuck rather easily. So I need the themes like, when is the end of my life? When is the end of life? And that motivates me to get away from complacency and into attention, awakeness, wisdom. So these themes that come through Amos and Paul and Jesus about watch, be alert, be ready, be prepared, trim your wicks, get extra fuel, and be ready for the coming of the bridegroom because you don't know when it comes. That is motivation for me. How am I doing? Not great, but I'm better than I was yesterday. Amen.